Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night under cover of darkness. He has seen enough of Jesus' signs and wonders to, to believe that Jesus may have something to teach him about, about God. He is what we today might call a, a seeker. He's what we might call someone who is um, almost an agnostic of sorts. He's not sure that he knows, but he wants to know. And even though he's a Pharisee and he's a very public religious figure, and by all accounts highly regarded, he is seeking more than to know about God. He wants to know God. And he seeks out Jesus under cover of darkness to ask him. And Jesus responds with uh, what seems to be a very obvious answer. No one can know God, says Jesus, without being born from above. And he uses a Greek word here, which is lost on us in the English translation, anothen. The word means literally from top to bottom. No one can know God without being born from top to bottom. It's the same word that was used when we were told at Jesus' death that the curtain of the temple was torn, anothen, from top to bottom. The word anothen can also mean again. And this kind of double meaning is very common in, in Greek as it is in English. And so Nicodemus hears the word anothen and thinks Jesus is saying he must be born again as in a second time. And he asks the obvious question, how can one who has grown old be born again? How can you enter a second time into the mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not like that. It's like the wind. And again, Jesus uses a Greek word that can mean many things. In this case, he uses the word pneuma, which can mean breath. It's where we get the word pneumonia or wind. Think uh, pneumatic or spirit. The, the pneuma blows where it will and you hear it and you see the effects that it has but you cannot see it, so it is with the pneuma. And you can almost hear Nicodemus asking himself, does he mean pneuma spirit or, or pneuma wind? Does he mean born anothen as again or from above? Does he mean the waters of, of birth or of baptism? And had he asked Jesus, I think Jesus might have responded, yes, yes. Instead of asking those questions, though, Nicodemus, truly baffled now with all this talk of birth and wind and water and spirit, combines all of those questions together into one. How can these things be? What Jesus told Nicodemus was shocking. Shocking to Nicodemus and maybe shocking to us too. Jesus says to Nicodemus, in essence, you don't need God in your life. That's backwards. You need to come into God's life. God doesn't come into your life. It works the other way around. God offers us God's own life as a gift 
and beckons us to enter into that gift. You need to be in the life of God. In fact, you need to be born all over again, this time born not into your own life, but born into God's life. How can these things be, says Nicodemus, which is another way of saying, I don't know how to do that. And the whole point, of course, is that Nicodemus does not know how to do that, and neither do we. But no matter, God reaches for us in grace before we're ever able to reach for God. And here is that point where God reaches for us in Jesus of Nazareth. When we look at him, when we see what he does and hear what he says, we are seeing into the life of God. When we walk with him, we are walking in the life of God. John Buchanan, who used to be, he's a retired pastor now of Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago, told a while back about a Sunday service in which he was baptizing a two-year-old boy. And after the child was baptized with water, Buchanan put his hand on the little boy's head and said the words he always said, You are a child of God the Father, sealed by the Spirit in your baptism, and you belong to Jesus Christ forever. And the little boy looked up and responded to him, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, it was an amusing moment, and like here, many people smiled and laughed in the congregation, but Buchanan wrote it was also an appropriate response, a stunning theological affirmation from the mouth of this child. The child no longer is bound simply by biological ties to his family. He is part of the life of God, and this God is with us now, even in power, continuing to heal the sick and welcome the stranger and reconcile the broken and open God's arms through the Spirit. This little two-year-old boy is now part of that overflowing, world-transforming, boundary-shattering God. He stepped into the life of this one God, and the appropriate response is, uh uh-oh. Only a little while back, we began Lent by having ashes traced on our bodies in the form of a cross. I wonder if we might also should have answered that act with, uh uh-oh. Lent, of course, invites us through prayer and fasting to enter into the very life of God. Like Nicodemus, it prompts questions along the way. It invites us to engage in disciplines that helps us to see, really see, what is always there. The presence of God's life and the invitation to walk into it and by it. Walking into the life of God does not leave us unchanged. The image of that life is the face of Jesus. The shape of that life is the cross on which he will be lifted to draw all into that life. And the content of that life in the world is healing the sick and welcoming the stranger and reconciling that which has been broken apart 
not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. What does such a life look like? How does such a life look when a tornado levels our neighbor's homes and businesses and takes our neighbor's lives? What does such a life look like when the world is retreating in fear behind locked doors for infectious diseases? What does such a life look like when too many of our neighbors lack the necessities of food and clothing and shelter in this, the wealthiest country on earth, in the wealthiest county in the southeast? What does such a life look like when our political life has become more and more debased and cynicism has overtaken hope in our common discourse? What does such a life look like in those places and so many others? It always looks the same. It looks like Jesus. It walks like Jesus. It talks like Jesus. It does the things Jesus does. It's a cross-shaped life. The self-giving of God that enables us to walk in hope, to work to rebuild what has been destroyed, to move toward and not away from our neighbors, to not give in to fear, but in the sure and certain hope that when he is lifted up, he will indeed draw all into the life of God, the life of love, today and forever. Nicodemus will show up again, you know, in John's Gospel, after Jesus dies. We hear that he brings a hundred-pound mixture of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of the one who had called him into the life of God. A hundred pounds he carries in the light of day, no longer under cover of night. The only answer he got to his many questions was the sight of Jesus hanging on a cross. But it was enough to draw him out into the light. May it be enough for us as well. Amen.